should have just screamed at you. We are now recording. Right? <laughs> welcome to Bonehead Weekly. It is my pleasure to welcome Brandon Applegate, writer and bearded extraordinaire typewriter collecting. <laughs> we just started talking, and actually, I kind of wish we'd recorded our conversation about you and the typewriters. We'll get back to it in a minute. James, would you like to introduce our guest, please? Yes. Brandon Applegate is an author. His new book is Those We Left Behind, and it's going to be blurry because I've got a blur filter on. Oh, yours is not blurry. (laughs) Brandon's book has topless women on it, so we had to blur it out. Actually, (laughs) that would have been, actually, no, it's even better. And that's one thing I wanted to say, and I was going to ease into it, but we'll go ahead and get started. The cover art on this, and I looked up who it was by, and I've already forgotten, but the cover art on your book is eye-catching and creepy and and I immediately went, okay, you've got me. You've got me from, uh, they say not to judge a book by the cover, but your your cover art is impressive. Well, hey, man, this thing just came out. So sometimes the cover is all you got. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, the, the I'm really uh, proud of how this whole thing turned out. I wish I could take credit for this incredible cover. No, it's uh, uh, artist uh, Christopher Castillo Diaz. Uh, he's a Peruvian artist who I actually I met online uh, and uh, worked with him to to get it uh, painted. That's an original oil on canvas. It's actually a scene from uh, from one of the stories at the end of the book. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm. Uh, I'm ecstatic about it. Now, the it also has a couple of the chapters occasionally have art in them as well, intro art and things. It, does he do that yeah. art as well, or is that art from? Yeah, not in this book. It's actually just art that I found in various places online and purchased rights to, or, you know, in some other way, uh, grabbed the, the licensing for it. So, but yeah, no, I, I've, I took a lot of time with the interior and the exterior of the book really kind of making it into something that I would have wanted to see. <laughs> well, I was going to say, and, and so I, I, I have started reading it. I got it today, by the way. Uh, oh, and, yeah, yeah. And it, I started reading it, and, and I, I have to say, as an author, you very quickly go for the throat, and I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> we mentioned in passing, and nobody that listens to the show is going to be shocked that we mentioned in passing Harlan Ellison earlier. But yeah. he once made the comment that writing a novel is taking a very long walk to take, well, I'll edit him somewhat, a dump. <laughs> and because he said, you, if you can do it in short fiction, if you yeah. can capture that, and, and you do, your characters are very, very quickly given all three dimensions, and then there's, there's an immediate... Like I honestly was saying, they're reading like, uh, "What has hurt him? What has caused you know?" What uh, there is, uh, yeah. I, and I just wanted to say that up front: I, the personalities in your your short stories are are vivid. Thank you, thank you. No, that means a lot, man. Uh, yeah, no, it's. It, did you finish the first story? Is that where you're at at this point? Or uh, I am actually. Uh, uh, I'm through about the first, I think, five stories. So, oh man, so, you're, uh, you're, yeah. you move through it. He I'll neglects well, his family. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I think my kids ate today. I'm not sure, but I know. Well, if you're going to neglect them for anything, you can do it for reading my book. I'll I'll forgive you for that. Yeah. Either he or the state will raise them. It's really up to God or Hulu. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. No, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, Well, yeah, no. So you made it a little ways in. I got to look and see actually where you're at if you're five stories in. Uh, Uh, Yeah, yeah. let me, I can actually tell you where, because I actually have. You got the bookmark marking it and everything. Uh, let's see. Yeah. I just finished. Um, well, brain freeze. Sorry. Uh, the Goat Man. Oh yeah. By the way, the Goat Man is is. 
fate, destiny, existential dread. Like I was saying, that oh, it's going, everything. oh, yeah, it's and, and it's it's the <laughs> commentary. No and we are all the goat man. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that is I, and when I first started reading it, it, it struck me because I grew up in a small town in yeah. nowhere, Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky. Sorry, nowhere. Yeah. I didn't mean to offend you. Uh, but <laughs> the, uh, but those those urban legends of you know yeah. we had oh there's a cult that meets at Clag Mountain you'll never see them all that and so those mythologies that pop mm -hmm. up and so to read a short story that has this oh you go here you do this yeah. and this happens but then to see the uh, the result of that and the commentary from that so no I, you, the way you summed it up there is perfect oh, there man. is no goat man and we are all the goat man. <laughs> i love that man and yeah no you're you're exactly right that's actually where it came from so uh you guys are in kentucky i'm from texas uh i'm i'm actually located pretty close to austin texas right now but i grew up in a little small town just south of houston a uh, little bitty place way out in the country is where my house was at and uh, we're we, at south of houston uh columbus texas okay is that yeah. on the way to galveston or yeah, I believe. And let me pull up my Texas map in my head. Uh, I actually think it's kind of, it's south and, yeah, it'll be south and west of Houston. So okay, uh, kind of in between Houston and San Antonio in a way. Okay, but, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, so little bitty small town out in the middle of nowhere. My house was way out in the middle of nowhere. I'd take a bus to school, get to get on at 530 in the morning. And uh, the uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, the bridge that the Goatman story and even the Goatman story itself is based on an actual urban legend, I guess you call it, or a little legend from my hometown, which is there was that little bridge. It was a little crappy bridge, no no bigger than the desk that I'm on right here. It's just a concrete pad over a little creek. But they said if you pulled up uh, on top of that bridge and you truck and you park, turn the lights out, honk the horn three times, a goat man would come out and get you. Nobody ever told you what get you means or anything else. There's no, there was never any of that. But yeah, that's that's kind of where that story came from. When you're from the sticks, you know what get you means. <laughs> nothing good everything. happens after dark. You, nothing don't good. you bullshit me behind that beard. I've got a beard. Get ya. Get ya is everything that comes up underneath those covers if you don't cover your feet. Get ya is everything oh, yeah. dreadful out there in the dark. Get ya <laughs> is, exterior, right. is exterior horror. Whatever yeah, that yeah. may very well be to you, right? Oh, yeah. Well, whatever he was doing to you back up underneath that bridge could not have been pleasant or kind, but probably, uh, not. probably not. But, you know, it's funny, everything that's out there in the dark, we're talking about the goat man. One of the things I tried really hard to do with that story is create this sense of sort of the wide open sky, because that's what it was out there. I actually drove out there to that bridge one night, uh, you know, beginning of the stories. Uh, you know, aside from the family relationships and stuff like that, that he brings up, it's fairly autobiographical in that I did drive a truck out there in the middle of the night with a beer between my legs and go check out the Goatman Bridge uh, one evening. And the thing that is really imprinted on my memory about having done that uh, is uh, when, when I got out of the truck and I turned the lights off and everything was quiet except for the crickets, and I could look up and just this huge wide night sky and the whole thing spread out in front of me and the, the blue light from the moon lighting up the cow pasture and everything was just so huge, you know, and I'm so small in it. Uh, and that, it, that was really kind of, that was all part of that story, I think. 
and you know, I love it. The big sky, especially because we don't have that in Kentucky, but you have right. that in the West, you know, you have big sky and it's so it can be either beautifully open yeah. or, or pressing, just yeah. pressing down on you. I never thought of it that way. I like it. So I've got a question. So James got the book and was reading because we this happened for our listeners. This happened really whirlwind and we we're excited because we all have mutual friends who yeah. are authors. <clears throat> and I didn't get to read the book, but I wanted to read up on you. And the first question I have is how many damn chupacabras do you have that would cause that much of a problem? <laughs> <laughs> They're everywhere in Texas, don't you know? No. <laughs> i've been to texas what i enjoy about texas is yeah. barbecue like most yeah. folks and the weirdest thing is the only place it's one of the few places i've ever been in my life where a restaurant actually has bring your own beer yeah it <laughs> was the damnedest thing i couldn't wrap my mind around bringing your own alcohol to the restaurant <laughs> well that's how they get around not having a liquor license right i shit i don't know i'd never i'd I never i was at salt lick i was yeah at, oh the salt lick i love the salt lick i do too i was at salt lick yep. and i was like uh they have a winery but people are still bringing their lone star <laughs> <laughs> yeah they'll do it man they'll do it no i loved it i love it i love texas but uh yeah chupacabras man <laughs> yeah no that's a little bit of bullshit for my uh for my author bio but i like actually it. seen the chupacabra but Nor uh, have I. i've never or, seen what, but what i will tell you is there's all kinds of stuff down here like if you go camping you got to watch it watch yourself because the javelina hogs and stuff like that will come out of the woods at you so or just rattlesnakes yeah. just or regular rattlesnake, things yeah. just regular oh. things that are just there to kill you <laughs> <laughs> or or this could all be a cover and what we can't see is on the other side of his camera there's a chupacabra with a gun <laughs> now say we're fake say we're fake brandon wink twice if you're in, in trouble <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry yeah. I, I this is probably going differently than you thought it would be but we wanted to get to know you and and oh, this is this is the part where I will dive in a little bit and James will come back to the writing in a second, but yeah. he was sending me stuff and I was reading some of your stuff. Actually, I was reading some of it on the phone. And then I, I really want to, if you don't mind having yeah, something definitely. read to you a little bit, yeah. there's Stephen King, Clive Barker, Dean Koontz, Anne Rice and Thomas Harris all jumping at him like desperate pups in a pound. He spies one. He hasn't read yet, snatches it from the shelf and skitters back towards his bedroom. Why don't you get out of my childhood, you bastard? <laughs> that's that's a lot of us, right? That's well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. It turns it turns out bearded guys, bearded bearded bigger guys aren't. Uh, you know, we're not unicorns <laughs> like I thought we were. Who were nerdy? Um, yeah, go figure, man. Uh, right. I was. I've read all these people. Well, actually, Anne Rice may be my least favorite, but Thomas yeah. Harris. Thomas Harris. I was excited to see that. Because, yeah. you know, people talk about Clive Barker and Stephen King. And I've actually had the pleasure of, well, I've had the pleasure of meeting Clive Barker and I've been in Stephen King's presence. But uh, Thomas Harris is one of those people I never think gets his due. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Well, I mean, it, it kind of depends on what, I, scene, right? because this is, this is really interesting to me that uh, I consider Thomas Harris very much to be a horror writer. Yes not everybody Silence of the lambs is a horror film yeah 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 silence of the lambs is absolutely a horror film uh 
But people um, don't think that. Some people think it's psychological thriller. There's all these kind of ancillary labels that people like to stick on things to make it not horror. But if you thriller is a thriller, thriller is that one. Thriller is like we're not making a horror film. We're making a thriller. So let's class it up three notches and get Jodie Foster. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's about classing it up, but. Thomas Harris is absolutely a horror writer. I don't know if he wants to consider himself that. I have no idea. Uh, I don't know about him personally, but I know that a lot of people say he's a thriller writer or he's, a, you know, got a crime writer, anything like that. He's yeah. he's a horror writer. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree. Uh, I'm curious. So, if you're a Thomas Harris fan, what is your favorite book of his? Which one is your favorite? Yeah, probably. I do, I do love The Silence of the Lambs. I also very much love Red Dragon. So it, Red Dragon's it, good. Yeah. Uh, Silence of the Lambs is one of my least... I, I actually almost slightly prefer the movie, almost. But, really? yeah, well, I'm weird. But I also like the ending of the, of the actual ending of Hannibal, where everybody else got pissed. Ooh. Yeah, okay, okay. So what did I'm, you like about that? Talk to me about that. What'd you say? I said, what did you like about that? Talk to me about that. Oh, you want to know my opinion about it? Yeah, because I do. this is the one where people get really mad. They don't really get mad at me, but I'm always like, "Oh my god, this guy's went off the deep end." <laughs> it's there's no. like two things I will defend that no one ever gets on that board with James. A little bit on the second one. The other okay. one is the sequel to Blair Witch. I always go, but it's trying to say something, and it's about video and how you believe. And nobody, nobody gets it. Nobody gets it. Would you yeah. say? No, I said now that one we can definitely get into some get into some stuff about the the sequel to Blair Witch, but anyway, I Here's, do want to hear. Here, I, I here it hear. is. Cl- I think everyone, given the right circumstances, is capable of anything. And Clarice was always almost just as crazy as he was, and just <laughs> needed the right push. This is the Batman Joker argument. This I, is, yeah, yeah, one yeah. bad day. One bad day. I love that. And yet, no, I, I, I actually tend to agree with you in that regard. Uh, that it takes a certain level of, like, if you put, okay, hold on a second. That's okay. If you put this in terms of uh, Clarice and Hannibal or Batman and Joker, the, this this kind of thing where you have the two opposing forces they are never as far apart as they want to appear, right? Ever, ever, ever. And so when you have, when you have something like that, it's, there, it's a certain level of crazy already to think that you personally are the solution to the problem. You are the good to combat the evil, right? Most of us just sit in our rooms and watch TV and go to sleep watching Netflix and eating pizza, right? Mm -hmm. But you to think you are the savior of all these people and that you can can stop this this barreling freight train of evil, uh, there's a certain level of crazy to that anyway. And so, yeah, it, it doesn't take much to push from one side to the other. Yeah, I, I just, it's, it's, I remember reading it when it came out and everyone being just absolutely just, well, I'm of a certain age. I was, you know, I was able to read books when it came out and everybody just being pissed. And I always like, oh, but I like, oh, <laughs> all right. I so like the fact want, that they go off to the sunset. Go ahead. Let's do unpopular opinion time. Okay. Sure. Because 
because that that one's yours now it i don't know how much of my stuff you can see back here behind me but in i've addition, been looking at the star wars stuff and then it looks like you've got a nice camera there i see a lightsaber i've been oh, yes. yeah, yeah. uh and i see your star wars hat in addition to uh in addition to horror i love star wars i love science fiction i love uh fantasy lord of the rings i love all of this stuff right uh, i love superhero movies i love marvel uh unpopular opinion time uh <laughs> the last jedi i love it my people love my it. people i love it i fight it with two guys great. who work with me every two months there there will be some odd reason they work for me i'm, yeah. I'm it doesn't matter i won't explain we'll talk about this later of what yeah. i do for an actual living and it'll always be i remember one friend watched it with me in the theater and then leaned watched um oh because i hated rise of skywalker they raised and leaned over and goes imagine how much better that would have been if there hadn't been the last jedi <laughs> <laughs> but i love the ending the thing that pisses yeah. everybody off is that i love that they didn't and they kind of screwed it all up of the kid and the broom and then everybody has the four has a certain amount and why didn't we open it up and democratize it i don't i just i yeah i love it dude the, the it was different jedi, to you. the first the last jedi was the first star wars movie since the original trilogy that was actually trying to say something i agree it was the first one since the original trilogy that actually cared about the message of what the force is and what all of this stuff is. It but cared. About that. It also cared about the idea that it, it was the it was the first Star Wars movie that attempted to grow up a little bit and say, "Hey, guess what? A bunch of starry eyed nineteen year olds getting in a spaceship and rocketing across the galaxy with a half ass plan isn't always going to save the day." It doesn't in that movie. You have to plan this shit out. Sometimes you have to, and so yeah. Anyway, I could go on for a half an hour about the last. No, time. I agree. I think a lot of what they get pissed about. I and truly, part of this didn't even occur to me till a couple of months. Is that I? I have some conservative friends who just I think they get pissed at a lot of the messaging. It just bothers them. Oh, it's that everybody can have something. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I think it just pisses them off, and then everybody of the way as just the luke of making luke instead of having his one dimension and i'm and by the way if yeah. you pan if you looked over here the, over on the other side or is a empire and a yeah. star is a new hope one sheet yeah. original yeah. i all these are original so and cool. i of course am a fan but luke is a one-dimensional character oh he always was he took that and made him a three-dimensional person and three-dimensional people tend to have bad days and are assholes from time to time. Well, and, and one of the things does that makes sense. And no, they pissed everyone off. Oh yeah, I know. It, well, they, he, they're 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 big. They didn't get their moment, man. That was the thing. Everybody had this moment in their heads where Luke Skywalker dropped in like a bomb and saved the day. And mm -hmm. baby, we're back, right? That was the moment. He teased us with it. He dropped Luke Skywalker in front of all those AT-ATs and said, hey, let's uh, let's party. And then poof, it wasn't what everybody thought it was going to be. Yep. Oh, my God. I agree. I agree. I, I, yeah, I'm sorry. I know we're supposed to be talking about you, but I appreciate that we are the same. If honestly, and we're missing a third bonehead tonight because we're right at, we're taping this the night before thanksgiving because we course. were trying to make yeah, your thank schedule. you guys for actually getting together with me the night before thanksgiving oh no 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 it's absolutely our pleasure thank you so much for being so 
for for, sure. be, for allowing us to interview, but he wasn't able here. He would have agreed with you, Chad. Chad and I are the we often disagree more than the out of the three of us. It's always usually going to be Chad and I that disagree. But the last Jedi, he he walked out because I actually defend a little. I was like the Force Awakens. I yeah. know that it's a new hope, but I kind of enjoy it, even though oh, I, yeah. had- I and I had a good time in Force Awakens. I really did. And I was riding that nostalgia wave all the yeah. way to the theater, man. Those trailers, the, the Millennium Falcon was flying again, man. I, was I like, did too. Chewie, we're home. Want to cry. Every time yeah. I heard it, I would watch that trailer over and over and want to cry. But yeah, The Last Jedi gave me something different. And it turns yeah. out that I was, uh, I, you and I were the ones who wanted something different. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was about to say, and I think one of the characters that I think that introduced, actually, there's a couple characters that it introduced that I wanted to see more of. One one being uh, DJ uh, Benicio del Toro's. Yeah. Uh, like I was like, oh, finally somebody saying, who's making these these weapons? Hearing off of these. Yes. And they're profiteering off both angle. sides. They're going to profiteer off both sides. And yeah. I, I, I literally, not, not the Disney Plus listens to us, but if you happen to be listening to Disney Plus, uh, I would uh, <laughs> give me an entire series following. Because I honestly, like, I love from the original Lando Calrissian is my favorite character because yes. he's. He's a scoundrel and he betrays his friends, but then he turns it around and he's the only one that goes against the empire and the rebels. And he's still like, ah, he's charming. He's charming. But I think DJ was our, DJ was our chance to get kind of back to that point, except he wasn't going to be charming. He was going to, he was going to rip apart our worlds and be like, yeah, everybody sucks. Yeah. No, I, 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 love that angle of that movie so much and when they sort of unveiled that little piece of it at the end uh, or not toward and not at the end but when they all got on the ship and got away uh from the casino planet uh they and you have that conversation with benicio's character and uh gosh that was such a little you know it just pulled the veil back on the whole thing yeah. and oh no this movie's got meat to it this movie actually has uh something to say <laughs> whereas the force awakens was like okay let's ease you back into this let's get it let's get back going this one was like all right here's the new direction and then people got pissed and then they were like oh jj come save us and jj made you know uh whatever in the hell happened with that third one uh, the uh, issue but, um, is was there's no plan on yeah. you you have to oh what if we movie, did palpatine again <laughs> movie, movie you know movies aren't i mean, yes it is a is a group of people it's very much a fellowship but you have to have that one dictator somewhere who has a plan of where the ship's going yeah yeah for sure it's kind of sure. hard to and especially when you're doing a three three arc on that james what are you going to say i oh, I have to well, I have to ask, and this is completely out of left field, and I've got to have my nerd moment. But is I it about his orco? If my vision's not completely wrong, is that a Rocketeer action figure behind you as well? This is the Rocketeer. Yeah, hang on. Woo-hoo, I'm not crazy. Sorry, I'm a huge Rocketeer fan. There you go, man. Uh, oh yes, oh yes, there he is. That is awesome. Sorry, I literally my <laughs> eyes went over to it, and I'm like, is that the Rocketeer? Because yep. that looks like the Rocketeer. Absolutely, the Rocketeer. Yeah, no. Picked him up of all places at like a Walgreens, just found <laughs> him in like the toy section. But yeah, no, he's uh, uh he's he's got pride of place for sure. I love the oh, record. Yeah. No, it's 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 one of the lines I always do that nobody gets. Like my kids have seen it now, luckily. Yeah. But I, I'm the Rocketeer, the Rocket Who. 
<laughs> and it's just a great line. Like, I've been busy. How am I supposed to know all the secret identities? I, I love that. It's an overlooked that's, classic. That's a great film, man. Yeah, no, that's that's where a lot of my background is when it comes to to movies and stuff. Because I, I, uh, you know, I, I I write horror stories, and that's kind of funny considering that. Uh, horror movies are not always my favorite movies however i mean i love a good horror movie don't get me wrong but i tend i tend to float in the direction with horror of like uh like a hereditary and midsummer like the a24 stuff kind of the the, yeah, the yeah. stuff and, and less the jason and freddie although don't get uh, freddie was always my favorite growing yeah. up because yeah I, Definitely a, a supernatural horror guy, and Freddy is at its heart a ghost story. But uh, <laughs> but outside of uh, outside of that kind of stuff, like Indiana Jones, Rocketeer, Star Wars, this stuff is that that's that's really my home when it comes to comes to movies. Well, now I'm even more of a fan <laughs> because that's, <laughs> I, I always love Indiana Jones. I always say like I, I love Star Wars, but I was like Star Wars because my father always loved adventure films, yeah. so I got Indiana Jones first, and yeah. that was. And that led me to all the generic impersonations like the Alan Quartermain films, which then led me to go back and realize, oh, Alan Quartermain's older. I'll read yeah, that's that the whole thing. <laughs> and then, you know, so, so I, I think that's fascinating. So I think that's really interesting because I came late to horror as well because I was the easiest child to scare ever. Matter of fact, speaking of Indiana Jones, <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark, the end of it, I would have to find reasons to step out of the room. Like, oh, I just remembered I'd left the cat on fire. Let me go see if the cat's okay. When I was little, because I couldn't, like, I yeah. loved the film. Yeah. But then it's like, oh, the covenant's opening up. Yeah, I'm going to go make a sandwich. Oh, dude, um, there's ghosts everywhere. People's faces are melting. It's a it's a moment. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of the things I, I about was, that was a gateway to later. I, it was probably, I was probably 16 or 17 before I was like, oh, okay, I can yeah. take horror now. Yeah, but yeah. had it not been for Indiana Jones, it's like, oh, it's cool. He's got a whip. He's got a gun. He's fighting Nazis. Yay, Nazis yeah. fighting. And then we're turning it around, and oh, now there's you know demons coming out of a box in the desert. Cool. <laughs> you know the weird thing about me growing up because I did watch the I did watch horror movies when I was when I was way too young to watch them. I watched all these adventure movies right at the right time because that's when I that's what I should have been watching instead of all these crazy you know horror movies. Uh, the the introduction of that book that you read from joe uh, mm -hmm. is uh, that's that's pretty much a that's a that's an aggregation but it's a true story like yeah every, it, my my mom was a horror fan in our house my uh my dad really can't wrap his 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 thing around fiction you know like he, he reads non-fiction books at best and and you know his his connection to fiction really is movies and he watched a lot of like dune and legend and stuff like that when i was younger and so i got i got a little bit of that side of things that way my mom was a horror person and she's the one that had all those books and also it was you know freddy krueger never really jason or, or michael mm -hmm. all that much Freddy Krueger was big in our house and really like science fiction and um, uh, and supernatural horror was what was my connection to horror. Uh, that's what she always liked. And so that's where I kind of jumped on board. The blob scared the hell out of me. Just the idea that you could be eaten by this giant gelatinous mold. Now, are you talking about the are you talking about the Steve McQueen version or are you talking about the Chuck Russell 80s version? Well, it would probably be the Chuck Russell version. 
yeah 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 do you know what i'm talking about the one that came out in the 80s with shawnee smith and was it yeah. kevin dillon yeah that's well a, and it's all gonna be a little fuzzy to me because i promise you i ain't i haven't seen them in years and it's probably because they scared me so damn bad as a kid uh, <laughs> oh we gotta get you to kentucky uh, buddy you can come this is once again we say this a lot but the creepy statement come over to my basement <laughs> <laughs> Come over to what we call the dork hole. You will oh. have a good time. <laughs> and I'll give you Kentucky bourbon. We will have a good time. That does yeah. sound like a good time. I need to get out to Kentucky sometime. You know, when you guys, uh, James, you picked up my my book whenever uh, I, I was kind of like, I had like 12 proofs sitting over here on my back shelf. I was like, I got to get these out of my house. And so I, I just did a Twitter post and asked for for if anybody wanted to see them. And, and James, you were one of the folks who, who picked it up. Uh, I had three other reviewers, horror reviewers from Kentucky uh, ask for this book. Horror is big in Kentucky, isn't it? It, well, it's, it's we have several Kentucky horror writers here. I mean, there's uh, so yeah. are you familiar with Laurel Hightower? I am familiar with her. Yeah, she's uh, kind of a little bit of a hero of mine. <laughs> well, she's she was at my well, we did Halloween together a few weeks ago. Her my her kid cool. and my kid are within about six months of age of each other, so we actually did trick or treat together. So Crossroads is goddamn brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it hurts. She's been on the show with a couple of times. Yeah, she yeah. she just blew up. Yeah. And yeah. it's uh, we couldn't be more proud of our friend because we were yeah. friends before she blew the hell up, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh man, she ain't gonna, she ain't gonna <laughs> talk now we to get to ride her coattails to glory. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it's interesting because Texas is funny because I, I, I see. Um, yeah, you. What do you uh, mean, Kentucky? Texas, Texas, Texas with is horror. Because uh, uh, one of the um, and, and uh, hopefully I'm going to be able to con him on the show in the future as well because he's got another book coming out soon. Uh, Gabino Iglesias, I believe, oh, is man. is in Texas, and his and, and I'm going to talk about one of your stories that did the same t thing to me. Oh, that's okay. Talk moment. about Gabino, but man. but Gabino's Coyote songs. Oh my God! That, I finished that one uh, just like a couple of months ago. Oh man, I can't get the the where the coyote abandons them in the desert. Yeah, and they're in the thing that yeah. scene as a father but also just as a human being yeah. where um, it talks about the I, it is the most terrifying because at first i'm like well that's bad but yeah. then it just plays out beat for beat and it bounces to other stories and it bounces back and i'm like i it is terrifying it is absolutely gut-wrenching and it's one of those things that for all the creature features that that yeah. that collection has there is almost nothing scarier than the idea that somebody would say, no, you're done. I'm going to leave you. You can't get out and I'm going to let you bake in the sun and with I families and all that. And that, that literally from that point on, like I finished the book and I'm like, that was really good. And I started flashing back to that scene yeah. and that, that, and I'm like, no, that is, that is the power of a writer unleashed. And then I went back and picked up, zero saints as well and i'm like now so so yeah texas has its own things going on as well and i'll be honest joe r lansdale that's as a reader i'm ecstatic to be along for that ride is what i was gonna say so well i'll comment on gabino because i just finished uh i just finished coyote songs a couple months ago and uh that book is so absolutely bonkers you're absolutely correct about that scene being probably the most heart-wrenching thing in the yeah. book and one of the most heart-wrenching things i've read this year the 
there's a scene and I know it's I think it's like a dream sequence kind of thing but it is and it isn't it's like a premonition sequence mm -hmm. where the virgin mary comes down with two automatic weapons and descends into this child trafficker's house mm -hmm. and just mows everyone down and it's the most bizarro bonkers thing and oh man i love gabino for that i was like yes do it man take out every bit of rage on that thing uh that was that was wild and, and, and again, I, I'll tie this back to your work in a second as well, but I think what works really well is the parts that like Zero Saints does the same thing where it's so much is based in reality that yeah. you can have those scenes and it's still going to nothing because reality is written and probably is far weirder than yeah. anything because in Zero Saints, it starts with there's something in a bucket that they're afraid that he's afraid of as an assassin. Yeah, but then really the story itself is him going out and doing terrible deeds to end this cycle to do all this stuff. <laughs> but in the back of the, my mind, I'm like, there's still something in the bucket. Can we? Can, <laughs> I mean, I need to see that bucket again. But it 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 it's unnerving. But then again, he just layers in how unnerving everything else is, and is how there unnerving anything more is. unnerving than the idea of some unknown something in a bucket. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. I mean, and the fact that it, it did something. You guys have just went off together, haven't you? Just it, it, keep on. No, no, no. I was loving it. No, no. Joe, you need to read Zero Science. Gabino is, he's a machine. Oh, yeah. uh, yes, I will put it right there with that cue next to my bed. I know. Ever growing, <laughs> ever growing. Ever I, growing. I, I said something the other day. I was like, I'm going to die buried under my toppled TBR, aren't I? Yeah, yeah. That's the, <laughs> uh, yeah. But I love that. And then that's, I always tell people, and, and, and one of the things that, again, I'm always glad to read books, and I was really ecstatic to start reading yours, because to me, that's proof that we're still, we're still here. We're still moving forward. If we can still have creativity, if we can still do these things, I always tell people, and I've even told, I, I, I teach, and one of the things I've told my students is, whenever I feel down, whenever I feel bleak or whatever, and, and my wife even knows this, she'll be, she'll be like, go to the bookstore. And I don't have to, I always end up buying things. I don't have to buy things, but I always end up, you know, oh, that looks cool. Buy. But just the idea that you're surrounded by, whether it's nonfiction, fiction, you're surrounded by the creativity of so many people and you have to just go, man, there's, there's still stuff to do. There's still stuff. And I think that's the power of words, it's the power of books. And yeah, and yeah so please let my, please never let me deplete my TBR completely. <laughs> All right. Now that you're done kissing his ass, I have some questions. All right, hit now, me, Joe. Here it is. Here it is. The, I was, once again, going back through your list. And yeah. like I say, get out of my head. But the only one in there, and then this is going to lead me to another question, is Richard Matheson, of all the people that I loved growing up and introduced me Richard. to horror. I do, too. I love Hell. Hell House is actually, I prefer it over The Haunting, as okay. far as my favorite Haunted House book. I also love the movie, the 70s movie, if you've ever seen it, Legend of Hell House. So <clears throat> what age did you start reading it? What age did you start reading? Reading it all? Well, just kind of, I, I didn't read a lot of comics. So the other two boneheads read a lot more comics than I did. And then I, and as I've gotten older, I'm 40, <laughs> anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I started doing this introspection. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm 40, I'm 43, it doesn't bother me. Oh, yeah, yeah, right on. And I realized that I was picking up novels a lot quicker than the oh, people yeah. around me. Oh yeah. So what yeah. age did you start doing that? What, and what did you pick up first? 
See, I felt right in the right age group. Uh, and I think you might have missed it by just a couple of years. You're 43, I'm 37. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm old as hell. It's okay, man. <laughs> you're, you're all good, man. Uh, <laughs> He's ecstatic. He's that much closer to the AARP discounts. So the man loves discounts. Holy shit. When I was 36 or 37, they came in the mail and I blamed several bastards on social media <laughs> and then said thank you because I love a coupon. Yeah. I love a coupon. <laughs> the only thing i love more than a coupon is a coupon to a good buffet so you keep going (laughs) you tell me which book you picked up oh okay so (laughs) i was just the right age group for and and tell me if this if if we cross over here at all yeah goosebumps yeah and i was reading fear street and fear street right on and and and, uh, choose your own adventure stuff yeah 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 the horror land and stuff yeah 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 and uh that and just about anything alvin schwartz did like the scary stories to to tell in the dark in the dark yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah right uh, and more influential to me than uh than alvin schwartz is stephen gamel the artist who uh who drew the pictures in that book uh there's actually one of the uh one of the stories in there is kind of my oh homage to gamel uh and you read it james because you made it that far but it was yeah uh, yeah i was gonna say i bet i know which one because that that particular yeah, yeah. again that was a story where it's like I, I don't know if i'd be a knight in the door i don't know if i'd ever leave the house again <laughs> yeah the paper on which we all are drawn is the is the name of that story and yeah that one's about a, a particular story or, or about a drawing and, and i keep pointing back here because i've got like the collection back here somewhere uh-huh stories but uh there's one particular drawing that's just it's just a figure on a on a on a inky field you know and that's and that's really all it is but the the idea that hey i i don't really want to pry the blinds apart right now because because it's the middle of the night and i'm scared of what i'm going to see standing in the middle of my yard originated for me with that drawing i feel like that's like the earliest moment when i was like i don't want to look out there and see that thing Back when, back when grade school book fairs had balls. That's what I'm talking about, man. Right. And you would go to that book fair and you could see that book with that drawing on it. That was completely inappropriate for your age group. Spiders going to go for it. Corpses. Yeah. Yeah. When they had (laughs) balls, when that was children's literature, as they say. Don't don't get me started on banned books, man. Uh, man. That's why I'm not teaching in high school. So that All leads me on. to my other one. Do you remember the first story you completed? You wrote, you wrote for yourself. Uh, yeah. And so I swung around at things for a long time before I really got started. Uh, the first story that I ever completed that I liked was called, uh, it was called rat. Uh, and it was about, uh, a kid who, uh, it was a kid who tattled on his friend for showing him a, a porno mag. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so his friend showed him that, but this kid is, he's like a, he's like a preacher's son, a pastor's son or whatever. Yeah. So when he tells his dad, he's like, dad, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have, uh, I shouldn't have done this. And his dad in this sort of righteous moment says, well, I'm going to call his father and make sure that this gets taken care of. Right. But he caught so he does the preacher calls this other kid's dad the kid with the with the magazine and uh 
this guy, this kid's dad, they don't really take into account the fact that this kid's dad is an abusive asshole and he ends up killing his kid mm -hmm. over this. Well, the, uh, the main character, he, he notices that his friend doesn't show up to school for several days and he's scared for him. So he goes over to his house and basically the ghost of his dead friend leads him into the house uh, to where his to where the abusive dad is and that guy kills him too so it's like a, a revenge a ghost revenge story and you were six when you wrote this i was not six <laughs> I, was, uh, <laughs> I was in my 20s like i said i kicked around uh I, I kicked around a lot of stuff that didn't work and played at it and tried at it for a long time and never really finished anything because i was scared of finishing stuff and uh scared well, of, i felt seen i wasn't really scared of finishing stuff i was scared of being bad at stuff and i and i was and it's that's it's very different from me now because the idea of good and bad is really more about did you do what you were trying to do more than it is about some objective gate of quality right how because did you, you did what you were trying to do and you did you said what you meant to say and it came from your heart there's other people out there who have that same heart who have that same feeling they will get it they will see it and they will understand it and that is good yeah so how did you so james and i and if chad was here we've made several short films and we've written things and what i what we used to say and I, we still say it as well it didn't exist before us yeah so how did you how did you get over past that boulder how do you get past that block of not worrying whether it sucks or not just finishing it <laughs> just finishing it just doing it the doing the doing i think what what did it for me was not some conscious thing that i did right it was not me going i'm gonna do it this time damn it there was i, I don't remember there ever being that moment what there was though uh, and and james you'll you'll have seen this and joe if you if you get to read the book you'll you'll see it too mm -hmm. a lot of the books well, i would order it but the signed prints are sold out yeah for the moment man i just got in a, a shipment of the hardbacks today that's why i'm not up. not that i wasn't checking so just letting you know that i was on your web page going well i'd buy it but keep going well i'll i'll i'll, I'll make sure you you find out when i get some more for sure got it uh, but uh it won't be long but a whole bunch of the uh stories in this book deal with parenthood in some way or another right they're either from the kid's point of view they're from the dad's point of view they're from the point of view of a father figure or a mother figure they're they're dealing with the idea of because a parent to me is 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 somebody that you you depend on and i think the betrayal that is possible with that level of dependence is something that is a major component of a lot of horror right mm -hmm. it's it's certainly something that i'm afraid of and it's something that uh that uh you know we i, I think a lot of people have experienced uh and it's it feels very universal to me but and, and so that's in there but i didn't really start writing a lot and well and and, and i say well doing what i meant to do and i didn't feel like i had something to say <laughs> until I became a parent. When yeah. my first child was born, that's just a, a couple of years into that really was when I started writing in earnest. And 
I think I overcame that block of I'm not scared that I, I that it sucks or I'm not scared that it's no good or I'm not scared that people are going to laugh at me. I overcame that less because I had some epiphany and more because I just needed to finish something for crying out loud, you know, like mm -hmm. this is I, I needed to say it and I needed to finish it. And, and that's what I did. But it needed to come out. It's interesting. So <clears throat> I'm, I was later in life. My son wasn't born until I was thirty nine. Mm -hmm. he's four now and we've talked about this many times on the show all the boneheads are dads yeah. and how much it changes you mm -hmm. and it's hard to explain and every cliche you've ever heard about being a parent is true yeah and so it's interesting to me that that opened up and then of course what you're doing is exercising your own demons about your own fears because being a dad james has talked about this before and your james's dad talked about you you stop worrying about your child the day they put you into the ground actually my father's phrase was technically about two days after <laughs> they put you in the ground about two days like there's that the much stress still built up and you've got to be dead for two days before you're finally able to let go of the stress. That's just my father. That's what he said. Um, yeah. So it's got, great. I like it. I can absolutely see it being true. My uh, my oldest daughter's uh, nine, uh, going on ten. Uh, my youngest is three. So uh, I've got two girls separated by six years, uh, but they're uh, uh, you know, you you think that they're going to hit some point where all right, they're good. And kind of step back a little bit now you never but you always think you're going to get there and then there's always something else you never stop being scared of that you know right and you won't be till they put yeah. you in the ground Absolutely. no matter how old they are no matter what happens you they will constantly be on your mind and worried or some sort of what are they doing <laughs> Totally put you in the ground oh, so i'm 37 and i'm doing all right my mama still worries about me like yeah what, so. <laughs> I, I was going to say yeah. that was my, my 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 father used to always tell me that he would make my mother because my dad worked in a factory for years and he yeah. was in the military so his hearing wasn't good yeah and so he hated telephones but he hated telephones because he had trouble hearing but he would make my mother call because he, he would hear on the news, oh, there's a traffic accident in Lexington, Kentucky. Now, Lexington, Kentucky is not New York City, but it's a big enough place that there's tons of accidents that can happen, and I'm not involved. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if he heard, if he heard yeah. on the news, or if he heard, oh, there's an accident this morning, and, you know, or that just the fender bender at 4 a.m., he would be like, ah, oh, I heard that on the six o'clock news. Call, call, call him and see if he's okay. <laughs> and it was, I was like, dad, I was 4 a.m. I was, I was, I was probably still up, but I was playing video games or something. I wasn't out cruising, <laughs> um, but it was, it, it was. And so, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And it's one of those things that it, yeah. it's the, the cosmic balance between how do I let my child live mm -hmm. uh, versus how do I shelter them? Like, okay, you know, I don't want my kid to be the shut-in that never gets to spend the night at a friend's house or never gets to oh, do yeah. anything like that or have sleepovers. But how do I vet their parents and their siblings? And I'm like, how how much investigative work do I have to do before I can sleep that <laughs> night myself without thinking what could happen? Well, oh, yeah. well, so back to it though. Back to it. I mean, do you obviously with 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 you 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 have all these things that are in your mind or your subconscious i mean how much do you think about it when it goes into your stories are you are you conscious of it until you look at it and you go oh shit what was i thinking well 
Sometimes that's the case. Yeah, it, it, it it's it's a little bit of everything that you just. And it's said. a very cliche question. I don't mean, but it's it's more oh, no. de- delving into the psychology of yeah. you and your process. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I appreciate that, and yeah, no, it's it's it depends on the story, kind of. You know, like yeah. I I have stories that I've written about very specific things that I. Uh, experienced and wanted to extrapolate into a horror story right like uh one of the stories in there is called the open mouth and it's about uh and and james you may not have gotten here yet so i won't spoil it too much for you oh go by by all means go ahead i'm I'm... yeah go ahead we're going to read the book go ahead spoil it for him he's a bastard anyway (laughs) but uh uh you know the the open mouth is about a dad who gets up in the middle of the night to take care of his screaming child uh, who's who's crying it's a, a little baby maybe maybe uh, one or two you know uh, crying bawling and he gets up in the middle of the night to go take care of the child and he's a little bit pissed about it he's not happy about being in there obviously and uh, he goes over there and he looks at his baby and says quit being such a fucking drama queen and then uh, and then he's like oh you shouldn't say that kind of stuff baby monitors on my wife's gonna hear me all the stuff so he picks up the baby he holds the baby and baby's still crying and stuff. He maybe he's holding the baby a little bit too tight, right? He's like, Ugh. and what happens is the baby's mouth starts to open up on the front of its face and just it consume the whole face into just this sort of rotating maw of teeth that then, you know, shit happens from there. Like you, you'll, you'll, you'll get it. But uh, everything turns out okay. And they go get milk. Yeah. It sounds good. <laughs> right. Cookies. Milk but, cookies. Don't ruin my night, Brandon. (laughs) But that story was written about uh, an actual phenomena that kind of happens to me visually in the dark. Like, because I used to get up and take care of my daughter all the time in the in the dark in her room. And uh, Rose, my my three year old, uh, her room has just this little blue nightlight in it. And that little blue nightlight just gives enough light so you can see what you're doing, but everything's still real dim. So it's just black and blue, right? Uh, in those kind of light conditions, like I remember this as far back as when I was a kid, I'll see stuff moving in, in the, and it's just visual artifacts, right? It's not, it's not anything real. Like when I was a little kid, I used to lay in, lay in bed in the dark and watch my TV get closer. But it wasn't really. It was just a visual artifact. But that visual artifact right there was happening with my screaming daughter in my arms. Her mouth is open wide like an O, and she's yelling at me. And I'm sitting there watching it get bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> and I'm like, ah. <laughs> and obviously, that's not really happening, right? But it's just a it's just a thing that I experienced, and I wanted to just kind of stretch that out into a into a into a horror story. <laughs> so that's something very real. The other stuff is. Uh, is oftentimes just a, I'll start with a concept, something I experienced as a kid or something I experienced even as an adult or uh, just a a generalized fear that I have uh, having to do with, you know, maybe it's somebody I know or just somebody I've I've met or seen uh, and just a sort of generalized fear. And I'll use that as as a seed that everything takes off from. Or in the case of Tea Party, which you read, James, uh, since here. Yeah, yeah I've got comments party, on Tea Party. Go ahead. In, in the case of Tea Party, that one started with a dad joke. It was just a stupid joke popped into my head one night. And I was like, yeah, I bet I could make a story out of that. And that was the first scene that I wrote, which wasn't the first scene in the story. Yeah, Tea Party is 
honestly, it is one of the most, again, from a parent point of view, but also just as a reader, that story escalates quickly <laughs> for me, because as I read it, and again, uh, everybody needs to, again, those we left behind and other stories is the name of the book, but <laughs> you can find uh, that where Brandon, you can find that on Amazon and several other places that Ingram spark sends it out to, I believe it's on Barnes and Noble too. Amazon's probably the best place to get it or my website directly from me at bapplegate.com. <laughs> and if they so, get it directly from you you will sign it i'm sorry i'm plugging away i'm plugging oh yeah no if you get this directly from me i will sign it in there and all yeah. right and now so, want a topless pick with mine but keep going <laughs> so 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 tea party the the basic premise is and and if you have children you do imaginary play i mean that's just something if you I, I think all parents end up being pulled into now that being said as i read that the the pivots where the father becomes a victim but it also is horrifying because you can take cold comfort in the fact that okay well the daughter yeah is going to be okay i mean sure maybe raised by these things as a whole (laughs) but by the end of it a little bit yeah okay well i mean but (laughs) put it genetically well at least your genetic code might live on but (laughs) but by the end of it what begins to to happen there Mm -hmm. um nothing is i mean if anybody wins it is these these beings these entities these um and i thought you know that the the playing with mythology that you could do with that and all that stuff it was really great but i was just sitting there going yeah no i mean yeah there is no it is it is a family terror story because even though you know part of me thinks yeah my kids are killing me but it's not that extreme but then even (laughs) you know that you you have this idea of okay yes as a father or as a parent or as a family member i would sacrifice myself if that's what i had to do but then that's not enough. That's not, um, well, and, and there's so and, much you can read. What is, the, what is the, <laughs> what, what is the response if they actually ask you to, right? Like, yeah. are they, they need, they, and it's not like a save my life. It's a, it's a, uh, you know, my friends here are going to eat you and that's going to get me something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, And it's, and it's fascinating because it's it's even i mean it's it's almost a genetic betrayal right it is what we are is not enough so i'm going to sacrifice you yeah but then i'm no longer even going to be part of you i'm not even going to i'm i'm going to yeah actually actually, this is pretty cool because i i actually it it seems conceited it's i I don't want to think that it is but i do love hearing people talk about my stories back to me because i learned it's that's what you did it for yeah yeah for other people and you got it out there it's just like you were talking about you made art post people consumed art hopefully it touched some of those people and then you hear it back and it's not to not to be disney about it it's a circle of life well, and I think that there's right. something very, yeah, no, I agree with that. And there's something very uh, interesting in hearing, because it's like a, it's like a Rorschach test or a splatter painting or something, right? Like I can, I, I can write a story of any kind and if it, but it's going to 
touch different people in different ways, right? So you're going to read the story and, and you're going to get stuff out of it that maybe I hadn't intended to put in there. This idea of that, that you just talked about, James, when you said that uh, I'm going to sacrifice you, but then I'm not even going to be part of you. Like the sacrifice was literally for her to get further away from him. Yep. And that, man, I, I, I hadn't actually put that together, but I wish that I had meant that because that's pretty cool. <laughs> I love that you admitted to it, by the way. <laughs> well, no, I mean, and I think that's it. I think that's one of the, the things that I love about, and, and again, I, I, I think I'm about five, maybe six, but it's, it's nothing, it, there's, there's this feeling of overlap, but the stories are, you know, you could pick one of these stories out and put it in an anthology and it would still perfectly work well, but there's this back and forth and matter of fact, I, the, the first story in, in this in the book, bedtime story, or mm. as I like to call it, the anti Princess Bride. Um, <laughs> I love that everybody's seeing that because it's definitely what was in my head, and I didn't go like overt like this is the grandpa no. from Princess Bride, but I love that everybody's seeing it because look, look, I'll tell you. So that came from two places. First place was I was reading Ray Bradbury's Zen and the Art of Writing, and his exercise that I was in a I was in the middle of a nasty slump like I couldn't write anything that I liked to save my life and so I was reading that to try and get some something to push me out of the slump and uh one of the extra ideation exercises that he does is he goes and uh, uh he just comes up with as many titles as he can and he writes them down right and it's just like the thing at the top of the stairs the the monster at the bottom of the lake and he just writes down a million of them and then he picks a few and he writes stories around the title and i was like all right let me try that and, and i went online and i found a horror story title generator somewhere that you could just click a button and it would refresh and one of them that popped up was bedtime story and literally the first thing in my head was the princess bride and then i was like yeah but what if that went terribly wrong like <laughs> and so that really was kind of the seed for it and i love that everybody picks that out uh, well I, I honestly I, if if this was the matrix and the blue pill was the princess bride oh it's going to be a good bedtime story and everybody's <laughs> going to have fun the red pill would be bedtime story right right and everything because as i was reading that and again i think you layer horror and, yeah. and so the horror of what this grandfather went through of being oh you're going to be a hero you're going to be you know you've got a good heart you get to go and you'll save the world and then obviously the reality that crashes down with that and right. and, and as that story goes along and so that's that's a very real horror yeah but then this idea that again again this child point of view yeah. of okay this is somebody that i've looked up to and then it's you know yeah. uh, and, and to see that ultimately I had been betrayed and, yeah. and so i i think that's one of the things but also it's it's almost a again it's 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 not a humane betrayal but it's a logical betrayal right. this is a figure that i listen i've suffered i thought i could get back what i wanted and yeah. i'm going to have to take this deal and to do that yeah i have to do something and yeah. you're going to have to be in. And it's There's, one of those things that, it, again, it's dark, it's bleak, it's all that stuff. But I was like, do I, is that automatically a villain? Right. No, that's no. the question, right? And if you look at the grandfather's life in that story, 
as he goes through and talks about the different pieces of it, his is a life where he routinely gets the rug pulled out from under him, right? Like he, he starts to feel something happy. He starts to feel something good and then it's taken and then he's sad. And then it start. he starts to feel something good again. And then it's taken. And this happens to him repeatedly throughout, throughout his life. But the question with the grandfather to me is very much the, and you know, I, I use the I use the war veteran as a as a pastiche for this, but I don't. I, I was not in the military, so I don't know. You know, and I, I have friends that were, and I've heard stories, and they're they're terrifying. Uh, but I think that there is you on a certain level, you get to choose what you do with that, right? Mm -hmm. And I and I think that the grandfather in that story sort of has a. A history of at least to some degree choosing somewhat selfishly, right? Mm -hmm. And he he chooses he chooses to pity and he chooses to be uh, to to react in a certain way. That may not all be choice, uh, you know, because well, no, no. Him I mean, over and over again. Yeah, but, and it, it does set up the thing that why did he go to be a hero? Well, he wanted to be a hero. It was he right. wanted that. He right. didn't go like he says. Well, to help people, but. He right. also wanted the accolade. But you can, and, and and one of the things that I loved about it that I, when you write a book, you read the story, when, especially when it's a when it's a, a series of stories, you read those stories 423 times before <laughs> you publish it. <laughs> That's the magic number, by the way. But uh, when, uh, I, on some double digit run through of that story, I started thinking about the relationship between the grandfather and the grandson. And there's a similarity between the grandson and the grandfather that I didn't pick out until I'd read it that many times, which really is that, you know, when the grandfather was make, asked to make the sacrifice to go to war in order to save all these people and be a hero, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to save them. And the grandson at the end sort of makes that same leap where the grandfather is like, this is what has to happen in order for me to be happy. And the grandson says something to the tune of and I think he kind of pulls back on it a little bit because it's just so terrifying but at the same time it's if this is what has to happen then and if I can help my grandfather then I want to you know and it's that they they sort of make that same leap so in, in a way there are iterations on that same idea all right I got a question yeah when's the novel <laughs> that is the question right uh, well it's it's a bad question it's 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 one of those questions that i feel that, that's yeah. tough to ask writers but we have to the no. sense of it it's 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 a question like for example when people ask someone who's going through a divorce are you going to get married again it's also it's it's kind of <laughs> like that does that make sense you just it's got that same feeling to it too, man. I'll tell you because right, it's a big project. Or, or we've done short films, and we've. Or what's the next one? And you're like, shit, I don't know. I'm a burn victim, and you want to go camping? <laughs> I want to roast marshmallows. Here, my small. Just got done with the skin grass. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, you know, putting out this this book has been has kind of consumed my, uh, you know, the the part of my life that isn't work and kids and family and all that. Uh, for for about six months uh six to eight months and that's only because 
it only took that little time because I had already written most of this. The only two stories that I didn't have written when I started putting this book together were Goatman and uh, Roots Run Deep. Uh, yeah, I've got questions about that one too. <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, but uh, those are the only two stories I didn't have written when I started this. Uh, and so it's consumed everything for, for a good six months, uh, you know, just trying to get this put together and make it look right and make sure that I had, uh, oh God, self-publishing is insane, marketing plans, all this different stuff. Uh, what, but that said, yeah, there's, there's, there's a novel or at least a novella on the horizon and I already have the idea for it. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed. Uh, and Go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say, I'm excited about the idea for it because uh, it's got it, it, it's going to deal with like a, a, a traditional monster, uh, which is something that I usually don't touch. So it's different for me. Uh, I usually make up my own monsters uh, and try not to go vampire, werewolf, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of excited to explore something a little bit outside my usual comfort zone. That's good. What's your process every day? Do you have a time, a certain word mount? Do you have a, how do you get away from the little bastards to do it? <laughs> I stay up late. There's a, uh, there's a, uh, uh, I, I read about it. The, this, they call it uh, revenge sleep procrastination. Yeah. Uh, it, but it's, it's basically not going to sleep because you know, you have to wake up the next day and go to work and do everything again. So you want to get what you, you want to get the, that time for yourself. Uh, that's really how I write is I stay up late. Uh, my kids go to bed. Uh, my uh, oldest is, is going to bed right now uh, as we speak. So she's, uh, it's 930 here. So uh, that's, right. uh, that's the latest we let her stay up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so she's going to bed right now. So basically what would happen is she goes to bed. I do the dishes, feed the dog and the cat. And then I come plop down in here and I will either write or play video games with a couple of friends of mine until like one in the morning. So you uh, don't so, write every day? No, I can't. Uh, I, I tried to, uh, when I first started doing, doing this in earnest and trying to be really serious about it, I read Stephen King's on writing and I tried <laughs> to do everything that he told me to do. But he's and, a machine. It was a damn disaster trying to be. <laughs> have you, have you, you mentioned that? living? Hold on. This is so. Can, can yeah. we can we be really transparent? This is something okay. I love talking to certain people about. Certain yeah. people I can't broach the subject with, but I will. Yeah. You. So I do a lot of convention work. James did yeah. do a lot of it with me too. Not so much anymore. And I do a lot of the main stage Q and A's. I moderate. I do all that stuff. And yeah. then, so I know a lot of people from that world. And then I know a lot of writers, production designers, directors, screenwriters. This sounds like I'm dropping names. It's not. It's okay. just, I know them. And I know a lot of people who do a lot of the convention stuff. And I know people who are writers or yeah. doing this. And I know, I know that they have a living that they're making doing something else. That this is, I call it my yeah. side gig. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they won't talk about it. <laughs> you know exactly talk about having that. a job that isn't this thing that they're right. brandon yeah. now that i've said it to you i bet you yeah. could name five <laughs> or you thought about it of people you know like that oh yeah i mean yeah probably i have to think about it for a minute but yeah no i mean i don't know i okay so i've got writer friends uh obviously a few 
and I only know what one of them does for a living. Right, because a lot of times it doesn't come up, and I, I get it, but yeah. I naturally inquisitive. I ask yeah. questions. My background's we've been doing this for a long time, and it'll yeah. come up, and it'll be they don't want to even talk about it. And I'm always, well, this yeah. is my living. Actually, I do okay outside of this. If I had yeah. to sit around and worry about, I would starve to death. And it's <laughs> and and especially for writers, because yeah. you're talking about two hand filled handfuls of people who make an actual living back see stephen king yeah and for people who get really wealthy that's even less yeah oh yeah no i mean stephen king is a is a unicorn and that's uh, and and that's his job well i was i was always very another job oh yeah no i mean i was i was always very creative growing up and my uh my dad was always the practical realist like i said he's not a fiction guy unless you're talking about movies and then it's like hard sci-fi uh, uh <laughs> but uh so he was always a bit of a practical realist and i would always come to him with my art projects and and of course you know he would say good job way to go whatever and then i'd be like i'm gonna do this for a living when i grow up and he'd be like no you're not nobody does that for a living and you know <laughs> I, I, I think i think our father took me until i was like 25 to start writing in earnest because i was like oh i'll never i'll never make a living at that and there are people that do there are people who actually quit their job and do writing for a living they're making a lot of sacrifices to do that well, well, so, i was gonna say and i think by the way our fathers were cut from the same cloth because that's, that's <laughs> always my father was always like no you're really creative and, and he would say such things as yeah. you have a gift i don't understand and i don't know how you can use it <laughs> so for example brandon uh, and i won't say who we had a screenwriter a a while back and she's lovely and we we've actually developed a friendship like we have with a lot of our guests and she and i were talking back and forth on message doesn't matter and i just one day said and this this person has produced films like you can go see her movies and her name comes up and i said what you doing for a living? And she goes, Oh yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And it's hard to explain that to people who don't either understand it or in some sort of denial. <laughs> she's a screenwriter. She's part of yes. the screenwriter guild. She right. has yes. produced credits. And I'm telling you, she has a full-time job doing something else. Professional AF and still doing that other stuff. Hey, yeah. As fuck, bud. Yeah. As fuck. I mean, uh, one of my favorite authors in the entire world is Paul Tremblay, uh, Head Full of Ghosts. If you guys have, have you guys read that? It's, I've never read it. I've heard of it. Dude, go read A Head Full of Ghosts. Oh my God. It's life changing. It absolutely blew my mind. It's what I aspire to do as a horror author is that is something that impactful. Yeah. Uh, that guy is incredible. He's got a number of books out there. He does stuff that I don't even know about until later because it's not part of like horror authorship. It's like, he's writing for a comic book or he's writing some other thing over here. Uh, That guy does this for a, a, I mean, he's professional as hell. He's like a math teacher full time. And, and he talks about it on his Twitter. I'm not outing him, Uh, but (laughs) some people, some people, I am confident in what I do inside doing this and do it. So it never bothers me. I just always talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just sorry. This is a tangent. I didn't mean to get off on, but it's cool. Well, and if you're curious, I will enlighten you as to my day job. If you want to go with that, you're trying to beat me out of that corner, buddy. And I'm going to keep that street corner, and I'm going to keep working it. 
<laughs> there no, can I'm, only I'm, be I'm, one bear on that corner if you get my drift. <laughs> no, I'm a I'm a middle manager at a software company in Austin. Like, I'm a middle like, manager in higher ed. <laughs> right on, right on. Yeah, yeah. Middle management, man. Yeah. There There's not, nothing to inspire creativity like the depths of boredom you will get in middle management. But or the sh you get the shit coming up and the shit coming down. Oh, it all happens, man. Both of happens. them are mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, man, you're not wrong. No, you were, no, no. You mentioned Stephen King, and I, it's one of my favorite. And Joe's heard me say this before, but Stephen yeah. King and George R. R. Martin. You can find this clip online. It's one of my favorite clips. Oh, he I love it. I know where you're going, but yeah, hit me. where is where is them talking? I think it's George R. R. Martin's last question to Stephen King in that yeah. in that particular evening that they recorded, and he just says, "How do you do it? How do you keep <laughs> writing?" Because it's even it, more prescient now that Martin won't get that last book out. Damn oh, it. I believe it. And, and, and I made a deal, and, and I'm having it thrown in my face. A friend of mine, it, it, and, and we haven't stayed in touch as well as we should have, but when I was in high school, um, he he was a big Robert Jordan fan, Will of Time, Will of Time. And he would always be like, You should read it. You should. Read it. I take my copy, read it. And I'm like, No, I'm not reading it until he's done because he's going to die before he finished. And I used to say it as a joke, which, by the way, I'm sorry, Robert Jordan fans, if I caused his death through some cosmic... But well, yeah, you're I a would, murdering bastard. I would yeah. joke, I'll, when he, if he finishes it before he dies, I'll read it. And yeah. then he passed away without having finished it. And, and I, I always, that used to be my go-to line. Yeah. And a friend of mine literally said, oh, you know, uh, the show's coming out. You should read this. I'm like, is it done? <laughs> well no but but he's he's close yeah and and close. they wore me down and i read the first book and i loved it of course and actually it's one of the things that there's characters that are missing from the show that i miss and yeah. and i was like oh so so i started reading it and now i'm waiting and i literally like i this is this is this is caught the cosmos paying me back for my robert jordan comments that's what it is I mean. <laughs> well now i wonder too because uh i i, I obviously don't know george rr R. martin but i wonder if okay so i'm not i'm not on the bandwagon for game of thrones in that i i, I have not watched the series at any <laughs> length and i have read half of the first book so yeah. I, I have not delved, but I know that everybody was pissed about that finale. And I wonder if he doesn't want to finish that book because he's like, I got to do better than the TV show did. And I don't know what to do to unpiss off my fan base. <laughs> Even though that's how the book ends. I mean, he says, you know, it's different, but it's the same, which means, right. yeah, they talk to well, him. This is the, how it ends. Well, and he said years ago, years ago, I think it's actually the, after the second book came out, so many years ago now. Yeah. But somebody asked him, well, how is this all going to end? And he goes, wind whistling through a graveyard. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's pretty pretty good way to sum up a book. Um, uh, but, I, and so, but I think the thing that, and, and one of the reasons that I, I did watch the show, I enjoyed the show, but, and Joe's heard me rant about this before, I'm like, but they cut out Ilan Payne. Ilan Payne was the, the, he didn't have a tongue, so he's the one that later has to train. He he can keep secrets because he can't tell anybody anyway. James, so, he told you that he hasn't read the damn thing. No, no, well, I'm just it. saying. But but, but nerd I, out on me, bring it on. But no, I, I think that's it, and I think that's one of the reasons why yeah. um, he, George R. R. Martin may have an out because he's got all these characters. I mean, 
spoiler alert for anybody that only watches the show i guess but the mother comes back from the dead as this flaming ghoul yeah and and none of that's in the show yeah and she's you know the woman a uh, woman in red or woman of red or whatever they call her in the book when she's brought back by the fire yeah and i'm like that's none of that made it into the show i kept thinking oh this is where they're going to do it oh no no we're not we're just going to cut that completely out this is some cool ass imagery though and you may be selling me on the book anyway i'm down with flaming ghouls <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's basically she, we follow your only fans we we are aware <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. but anyway uh, no so we I, tip to get see you do the flaming <laughs> yeah but uh, no i think the uh but again i think that's another reasons why no adaptation you mentioned dune earlier yeah i've been i watched the dune uh movie and uh it it, it was it was a movie uh but i don't think it touches <laughs> herbert i don't think it touches frank herbert's you know, and yeah. I'm, I'm not please, Dennis Velanu. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. Please don't attack me. Denny yeah, Villanueva. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, I've never I heard think of Villanueva. That's, I think so that's that's one of those that's one of those names like some words that I have only ever read and never heard mm-hmm. pronounced. So <laughs> yeah, that's that's I'm guilty of that all the time, and I'll actually have people. Matter of fact, actually, we had somebody uh, we're talking about act character actors once, and I said Anthony Zerbin. We lost a guest. We lost a guest because of you. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. I said Anthony Zerb, and I, I didn't know it was Zerbe, Zerbe, Zerbe. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't him who who canceled, but he he just happened to listen to that one episode. Yeah, um, and so my mispronunciation has cost us guests in the past. I apologize. I grew up in the middle of nowhere, and I tend to read right. instead of uh, instead of watch. Right. So anyway, um, but I, you mentioned um, roots uh, roots run deep. Um, Oh yeah, and I read that one, and and I so my family being from Kentucky has some coal miners in the past, yeah, and and I I can, I've I've heard stories of people saying you just see weird stuff, oh, if yeah. you're deep enough imagine. you're gonna see weird stuff, yeah, and so oh, as I was reading that like story that that sense of claustrophobia that builds up, yeah, but also this idea that you know there's there's things down there there's things and and what's down there doesn't have to be a creature as we would think about right as you know this this thing that's lurking in the dark it can sit perfectly still yeah and we'll eventually find our way to sacrifice ourselves to it i mean we will (laughs) we will bumble around as humans and find a way to die oh god yeah i was just talking to somebody the other day about shark attacks and it's the same idea like it's not a shark attack. It's a human attack that went terribly. Like you're the one in its living room, man. Because yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. in Texas. But you know, I love that uh, that thought on that. And yeah, the the idea with Roots Run Deep, uh, I had a lot of fun with that story with the idea of the carnivorous plant. Like the the uh, to me, it was the idea of the gigantic plant that is one organism but manifests itself as a thousand tiny organisms right that's yeah uh, I, i've seen that in in media elsewhere and i'm trying to remember a good example right now and i'm failing but well is it, but it's the idea also that, that it doesn't just consume it utilizes i mean yeah. and so that opening of that story where they hear the singing over yeah. the radio plus <laughs> i love the fact so my again tying this to my own history and why your story resonated why that story went oh that's 
the OSHA investigator. My father was a safety coordinator for a plant uh, when he worked in <laughs> my dad is a my dad is a is a uh, is a safety. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what you call him. He's a safety foreman on uh, oil pipelines right now, and he he yeah. he works uh, he works ad hoc on oil pipelines and keeps them from getting OSHA violations. So that was yeah. that's where I came from. I, I grew up all the time. My father having all the OSHA manuals going. Oh, we got to do this to keep up from getting shut down. We got to do. And so yeah. when the OSHA coordinator shows up, I was like, oh, this is not going to go well. <laughs> I mean, this. That's just it's code for because that connection has, has caught more than one person. It caught you. Uh, uh, Steve Clark is another author who, uh, when I was writing that story, I just kind of posted out for for beta readers because everybody I talked to on Twitter is either a writer or writer adjacent. And I was like, hey, I wrote this story. I need somebody to beta read this. It's got uh, it's got a, a you know a few things and also an OSHA inspector. And I mentioned OSHA, and Steve was like, oh yeah, I know some stuff about OSHA. I, I can. <laughs> and his job is like adjacent to that. He, uh, uh, he he was like, I can beta read that for you. I was like, it has less to do with actual OSHA. <laughs> You would think me having mentioned it, uh, but you know uh, that. that Did he come back and be like, "Well, you ignored Rule B seven A, which is in the general ordinance of uh, if you don't put that in there, it's not going to (laughs) count." Yeah, no, I just wanted him to be really because uh, he's actually from OSHA and you know my dad always complains about all this stuff and I, I just wanted him to re- be really bureaucratic and kind of crappy and then get eaten you know <laughs> so. yeah. well and that, that was it's always like a thing my Ghostbusters, father right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, it's the villain the villain is is environment is the EPA well <laughs> yeah we could talk about the uh, the the moral implications of Ghostbusters for a minute probably which <laughs> yeah, by yeah. the way incredibly excited about the new ghostbusters and i haven't watched it yet but oh, it's, it's a if you if you like i took a half day off last friday yeah. just to go oh my god yeah enjoy no, the ride if you liked yeah. if you liked the total other fan ones, service loved yeah. it but, but it's the best in the best way and it's got heart yeah don't make me go show you my gigantic lego ecto one that i have on my shelf over here because i will get it and show it don't make me show you all the i don't i've got I'm, I'm <laughs> I was like, my huge son. Ghostbusters fans. It's total fan service, but I cry. I saw it twice. Uh, yeah. Our kids love it. My four year old loves Ghostbusters. So I watched yeah. it, went and picked him up, brought him back, and then watched it again. And I cried both times. Oh, man. That's good. That that bodes well. That bodes well. I'm yeah, and everything the critics say, a lot of it's true, but they, yeah. they didn't make it for them. They made it for us. That's right. Yeah. That's right. It's yeah, a, no, a lot I, of fan I, service. Well, yeah. And that's. That's what that movie is, man. For crying out out loud, it's Jason Reitman. It's the it's the son of the original director. This movie was the nostalgia Ghostbusters that we had all asked for. It's Ghostbusters for the last like forty years. It's <laughs> a, I don't I don't want to talk about it a lot. We're actually going to do a two parter. We're going to uh, actually yeah we were going to do we bumped our two parter about Ghostbusters to do your interview. And oh, okay. it's going to come out afterwards, but oh, uh, and we're going to delve. We're going to start from the beginning and go, and then Afterlife will be the second episode. But it's uh, <clears throat> yes, it's total fan service, but it's probably one of the best bridge movies I've ever seen. Awesome! It opens it up so much. Yeah, um, and then, and there's not a character that you don't care about, and there's not a don't. character that doesn't get their due. I love that. I absolutely love that. Absolutely. So. I- I have one. Speaking of, of, if you want to give me fan service, 
right. I'll, I'll declare myself as a fan. We, we've been about an hour and a half. We probably I know, I know, but I want to ask one question. So the, the last days of the old man. Okay. I read that and I automatically went, okay, what's next? What happens next? I need to know what happens next. Because You're going to be happy and sad at the same time, Jay. Okay. Uh, because the last days of the old man is... Uh, I do love that story. It's one of the, it's the only story in this book that isn't horror or at least horror tinted. It's really more of like a uh, action fantasy kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and, it reminded me, and I'm, I'm not saying that it's yeah. connected to, but I grew up one of my favorite characters long before it was in movies. I loved Dr. Strange and yeah. I loved Dr. Strange because Dr. Strange was not a great human being, got right. injured, goes to get help for himself yeah and then happens to be kind of well right place right time kind of works out and he ends up becoming kind of this heroic figure and as i was reading that one i was like i love the fact that you know you more or less from what we know about him he's a chain smoker he's you know (laughs) all this all this stuff yeah but at the same time you're like man i just want him to win out i want him to have that that um because even the the old man the the of the title Merle, yeah. it, there's just something where you're like, man, that's that's, I know Merle's. There's a ton of Merle's I okay. know in my life. Where there's a grumpy old guy that runs the bookstore. Matter of fact, actually, I went to a bookstore not too long ago. The guy that ran it, it's yeah. a it's a used an antique bookstore. Uh, he's in his mid seventies, and I said, do you have a book? And literally, floor to ceiling books, nothing's organized. And he goes, yeah, here somewhere. Yeah, here's someone. And, and he literally <laughs> begrudgingly got up and spent yeah. 45 minutes helping me find this book that I was looking for. And it was a, <laughs> I had a great time. We had a great yeah. conversation. But yeah. it was kind of one of those things where when I read that, I was like, oh, my God, did I meet Merle? <laughs> did I? <laughs> well, you might have. No, uh, Merle is an amalgamation of a ton of people that I've met in my life, too. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely, we, we probably have some crossover there. But, I, you know, I, I will let you know that there are three stories in this book that are connected to each other through a common character. Uh, you'll spot them as you get further in. Uh, but uh, yeah, that, that is one of those stories. So that story itself does sort of linchpin a little bit of a shared universe thing I'm doing. Uh, and uh, you have not heard the last of Clay and you probably haven't heard the last of Merle either. So stay tuned. Uh, well, that that I definitely will. So thank you. That this has been, uh, as Joe pointed out, we're probably pushing our time yeah. with you. We don't want to keep you all night, but this has been right. great. I do appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. I have enjoyed everything I've read thus far, and I actually will spend the time tomorrow when I'm avoiding relatives, probably finishing the book. So I uh, add you on social media, and this is what you're going to do. Yeah, you're going to <laughs> message me and say, Joe, we now have the books. I'm going to write something completely inappropriate <laughs> that says to Joe, just nastiness love Brendan Applegate. And you're going to let me know when that happens. So I can give you money dollars <laughs> <laughs> and yes, we sir. can promote the book and yeah, you can yeah, sell yeah. them. And then you can give me the bookie for the money dollars. Oh, yeah. no, you, you, you will have one, sir. I, I, I swear. Okay. okay. I swear. Hand on my own book, other hand up. You will have <laughs> a copy of this book. Absolutely. All Thank right. you guys. So, yeah, so yeah, yeah. and then this will be coming out in a couple of weeks. We'll promote it out of it. But really quick, before you go, 
Where yes. can they find your book? Right now, you can find my book on Amazon. It's available in hardback, paperback, ebook. You can find it on a couple other bookstores, Barnes and Noble, Kobo, that sort of thing. You can also find it in ebook format right now on my site, uh, beapplegate.com. And uh, physical signed copies will be coming within the next little bit. So stay tuned there. Those we left behind and other sacrifices. Brandon, you were going to say something. I didn't want, I just want to make sure that we, our audience knew where they could find the book. Oh, dude, thank you for making me self-promo. I almost forgot. But yes, thank you guys for having me on. This has been a blast. This is so much fun. I, yeah. I'm so glad we get to chat. Yeah, it usually sucks less than people think it's going to. <laughs> Which dude, is our motto, actually. This will suck less than you think it will. I, wish, I swear to God, I wish it was our motto. Sucks less than you think it will. <laughs> Brilliant. That's a good motto. That's All right, good. I'm going to stop recording, and then we'll, we'll, we'll say goodbye. All right, this has been Bonehead Weekly. Grrrr. <sighs>